0: Oh, wait, they're going to sue me. Play it.
1: Hey, all you crazy sci fi fans. Time for your daily dose of insanity over here at the Sci Fi Shenanigans Podcast with your hosts, J.R. Handley and me, Chris Winder. Just two nerdy veterans geeking out over a science fiction passions. a place where the sky's the limit, space is the place, and nerds run the world. Without further ado,
0: all right, thank you for uh, listening yet again to another episode. So today we are bringing you an author duo. Um, we have Casey Azell and Marissa Wolf, who are co-writing some uh, epic awesomeness in the Four Horsemen universe. So first, let's introduce. Yay! Yay! Explosion. Yay! Um so we have Casey Azell, who is an active duty US Air Force pilot. Nobody's perfect, but you know, go army. Uh oh <laughs> my <a> wife, <laughs> a, a wife, mother, and kick butt storyteller of tall tales. She's been traditionally published by Bane Books and written for small presses like uh Chris Kennedy's publishing. Um and she's also, spoiler, but she's got some scientist friends she's gonna try to wrangle up for us so we can talk to actual real experts on stuff. So that W-A. is, yeah, that is Casey. At
2: talking my friends into doing things. Right, Risa? <laughs> uh,
3: yes, this is accurate.
0: <laughs> oh, <dang. laughs> I, I like the persuasion. And so the other uh, get, guest today is Marissa Wolf or Risa. Uh, she's a former middle school teacher now working in the education nonprofit world. Who lists herself as, and I quote, a baby author who has two short stories with small and independent cre- presses, the Copper Dog Publishing and Chris Kennedy Publishing, and is co writing, as we said, a novel with Casey, coming on February 23rd. So you should be out right about the time you're hearing this. Oh, and apparently, this is her little tidbit about herself. She once headbutted an alligator.
3: Uh, in my defense, the alligator headbutted me. Just want to clarify.
0: I'm sure it had it coming, but the real question that everybody in the 101st wants to know, did you make a sweet pair of jump boots out of them?
3: (laughs) No, I didn't get to eat it,
0: unfortunately. I didn't say eat it. I mean, that's cool too. I I just want to know what kind of boots you made out of them.
3: (laughs) No, no, it lived, it lived its life. I'm sure it's an 11 foot monster now out in the world waiting to headbutt innocent people.
0: (laughs) What a softie.
3: (laughs) I was 24. I was very surprised.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess, wow. I guess you get the I'm pass. You. <laughs> <laughs> so the other part after the introduction that we like to do is tell the audience how we first found people. And so, um, I found, uh, I met, found whatever, um, Casey at Raven Con in, I think it was 2017. I remember Chris Kennedy introduced us and all I remember was she was super friendly. Uh, she was sitting on a panel about writing, uh military and science fiction and fantasy with with a combination of authors she was pretty fun i i I seem to remember someone making an air force joke and her reply was moab and then an expletive which we won't repeat here because you know kids listen uh and then we just sort of stayed in touch and and you know she's she's fun to get to know i've seen her interviews on the keystroke medium uh youtube channel which were a blast if you haven't seen it you should check that out and
1: krista did, did you know her before before this podcast no, apparently I've been living under a rock. Either that, or Jr. knows literally everyone.
2: I think maybe which, Jr.
0: knows everyone.
1: <laughs> I think so. See, that's that's, that's the feeling I'm getting. See, the trick
0: is, is one I just give no flying Fs, and uh, I just don't care if people tell me no. So I'll talk to anybody.
1: <laughs> yes, no fear of rejection. None at all.
0: That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so uh, we we neither one of us knew Marissa. We met her um, through Casey as her co-writer and friend. Um, so we're both going to, all of us are going to meet her for the first time today. Woo. New friends. Yay.
2: Yeah. So right. Marisa, Marisa and I met, gosh, a really long time ago. Um, and, uh, we met through, um, basically dragon is a Pern fan club online and oh, our love shared love, right. And, uh, so our shared love of dragons and writers and, And, um, you know, the shenanigans that they get up to together, um, was what originally brought us together and, uh, got us writing together. And, um, and then when, uh, when I started working on assassin, uh, in the four horsemen universe for Chris Kennedy and Mark Wandry, I realized that I really wanted to do that. Um, I I wanted to tell the story in such a way that, I required a little bit of help. (laughs) So I was like, well, who do I know that's a kick-ass writer or sorry, kick butt writer. And, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, (laughs) you're going to have a hard time with me and my, my mouth. I apologize. But, um, but yeah, so I called her and said, Hey, uh, what are you doing? You want to write a book? And, uh, she said, yes, thankfully. Cause, uh, it really, the, the story is really good. Um, and I, it would not have been nearly as, um, Dramatic and fun and epic, um, without Marisa's uh, contributions. So,
0: well, that's nice Aww. and sanitary. You, you want to know how I got Chris to write with me? I, I found those. Comp- <laughs> I found those compromising pr- <laughs> pictures, and I said, <laughs> "You write this book, or these might accidentally go online." I don't know. I'm not saying I would hey,
1: do it.
3: <laughs> See, my guess would have been, you write this book, or else I will keep these pictures private. I imagine you want those <laughs> the
0: world, no? Well, he wasn't marine, so all bets are off. That's what I'm saying.
1: I'm I'm almost speechless. <laughs> See, the hard
0: part with Chris is he gets so into listening to the interviews. Sometimes we have to remind him he's the host.
1: <laughs> right.
0: We we had that problem with you- uh, with Josh. It was uh, when we did the Josh Hayes interview. It was reminding him, hey, you're supposed oh, right, to be the co-host.
1: Yeah. Right. That this is actually being recorded. And that I need to participate. <laughs>
0: he, was, he was just enthralled. Josh is along. a fun guy. He's really so he, that's he's really interesting and,
2: and has a lot of great stories and stuff too. So it would be easy to fall into that trap, I think, with him.
0: Yeah, we we talked to him about his um, his uh, what was it? Peter oh, Bannon's yeah. base books. So that that was definitely interesting. But uh, he's come out of hell, so he talks a lot more now. I think he gets ten words an episode. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just keep going up i'm from gonna never play. gonna
1: live it down no, <laughs> not at all all right well let's uh let's get the first question out of the way so let's start with uh casey what do you love about science fiction what draws you to this so genre?
2: um i started reading science fiction when i was pretty little i was about seven i think uh the first time i held a science fiction book in my hands and Um, or, you know, with the intent of reading it, I probably picked them up and walked around with them before then. But, um, the, the thing that was so attractive to me about it was just the, I mean, this is probably going to sound a little cheesy, but just the endless possibilities of it, you know, like even these things that we were writing about that didn't necessarily, that we didn't necessarily have today, we maybe could have at some point in the future. And, and that was something that fired my imagination, even as a, even as a little kid, um. So um, and and that's never gone away. Um, my uh, my good friend and uh, co author John Ringo is con- constantly grousing on Facebook about how science keeps catching up with the stuff he's written that is science fiction, <laughs> and he's kind of continually complaining about how right. you know science is going to put him out of a job one day, um, which I think is just really funny, um, but really cool too because you know the idea that we can dream up all of these things and you know. And then turn to our, our scientist buddies and be like, all right, let's go make it happen. You know, <laughs> that I think is is something that's very appealing to
0: me. I, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but the Albuquerque cube, um, um, drive. That's a theory on, on actual FTL whether it's workable. The scientist that created that was actually a sci-fi fan and wanted to see if he could oh, make I'm it sure. work.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. And you know, and I mean, we're human beings, right? Stories inspire us. So, um, I I, I dig stories that inspire us to reach to the stars because you know it'd be cool to go hang out out there someday.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, the taxes will be cheaper out there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So. What about you Marissa? When um when do you or what do you love specifically about science fiction?
3: Yeah, it's similar. It's the what if of everything. I feel like we don't we don't get to know the end of the story, like where humanity goes post our lifetime. And so science fiction is that way of let's let's see it could be this or it could have happened like this. Like we get our own clue endings all the time, which I I love.
1: I also like that because depending on what mood you're in you could say maybe the future's awesome maybe the future's terrible and here's how it could possibly happen yes so it's yeah, that- everything from comedy to horror to to anything in between
3: yeah i mean you can go bleak like the road you can go hitchhiker's guide uh, i mean anything it's i i just i love that thinking about this is what society could be like if we do this thing or if we do that thing or if these kinds of aliens find us i mean
2: and one of the other That's things funny. i like about science fiction as a genre is that it lends itself to blending with other genres very, very well. Um, we uh, at MarsCon a couple weeks ago, Marisa and I both attended and that seemed to be a, a recurring theme throughout a lot of the programming that we, that we were at um, was this idea of transcending genre, going through genres. And, um, and I, I self-identified myself as a, a genre fluid writer <laughs> because I like to mix that stuff up. But science fiction <laughs> specifically, um, you know, you can like right now I'm working on a sci-fi noir with uh, my friend Griffin Barber, who wrote um, 1636 Mission of the Mughals with uh, Eric Flint for Bane he and I are working on a sci-fi noir story. Um, So it's like that gritty detective story, you know, with the femme fatale and the nobody, you know, everybody has an ulterior motive, but it still works really well in a sci-fi setting. You know, I mean, just look at things like Blade Runner, for example, really lends itself to that, that, that type of genre. And yet by that same token, you have something like Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, where that's just it's it's funny and it's a romp and it's you know a little bit absurdist. Um, you have um, incredible, incredible romantic love stories in sci-fi. I mean, Han and Leia, you know, for example, um, is is one of the classic love stories that that people talk about all the time. Um, and it's in a, a, but it still lends itself and interweaves really well with the sci-fi setting so that's that's another reason i think that i'm particularly drawn to this genre specifically
0: okay um so what's your first uh, we'll start with with uh marissa this time what's your first memory of watching reading or playing games do, doing your first act where you're in the science fiction genre and you say this is for me
3: oh yeah so i would say step one was just watching star trek and star wars with my dad um, so I've never lived in a world without Star Wars, and that is, I think, the way it should be. Um, and mm-hmm. then I think my my second time when I realized this is worth sort of fighting for, um, I was sweet-talking the librarian to let me take out more than the limit of <laughs> books so I could get the whole Narnia series, um, and like, just a bunch of – I just really needed a lot of books. Um, and it worked because I was a giant nerd even when I was like seven um, and she could just see that like nerdness shining in my face, and was like, "All right, fine, you can take out
1: extra books." It was amazing. I've done that before. That that is a lot of fun, and it feels like a win, even though really the librarian feels like she got a win too.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like to say I sweet talked, but I'm sure like I twisted her arms super hard. I'm sure she's like, uh, "Yes, young lady, you can have all the books. Here you go." <laughs> um, for what about me, you, Casey? it
2: was probably. I feel like I, I answer this question s- the same way for so many, or I feel like I give this answer for so many different questions relating to like important moments in my life. But for me, it was reading it was reading Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Drums at age seven. I read about these people that were, you know, far future descendants of Earth, um, riding around on the backs of dragons was like, um, yes, yes, please. That's what I want to do with my life. And um, too. <laughs> and uh and so here you know here i am um and uh that that really shaped me
0: <laughs> yes i would like a pet dragon too
3: yeah but they're not pets though mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i think some
3: partner yes huh? partner, partner.
0: <laughs> true
1: i think something else i like about science fiction and i've just discovered this recently is you, you were talking about the genre mixing, like mixing the sci-fi and the fantasy. Really, having spells or having magicians or having magic in space could be explained by technology. You know, the author, C. Clark quote, any sufficiently advanced technology yes. is indistingu- indistinguishable from magic. You could always just say, wink, it's technology. But it looks just like magic. It acts just like magic. It's so much yeah, fun to, to mix that together. Yeah, the right,
3: hand waving. Right. We
2: um we actually did a little bit of that in Assassin. Um. So uh for for those in your audience who aren't super familiar, um Assassin is a book that exists in the Four Horsemen universe, which is a universe created by Mark Wandering and Chris Kennedy, and the um the main thrust of most of the series is that this is a it's a galactic environment that whose economy essentially runs on mercenary activity. Um, But Marisa and I had the opportunity to write about a race called the Depic, which are this felinoid race of really sociopathic assassin killers that are super cute and fuzzy at the same time. And um, like cats, basically they're cats. So (laughs) cat assassins. (laughs) Um, And one of the things that, uh, so Chris Kennedy actually created the race um, kind of as a, as a, in a cameo in um, The Golden Horde, his mainline novel, The Golden Horde. And what he talked about is that they were immune to nerve agents that worked on pretty much everyone else and that they could appear to disappear. Um, And so one of the fun things that Marisa and I got to do in developing this race a little further, you know, to have their own standalone novel was figure out exactly how those things worked and how we could create those quote unquote magical effects and explain them uh, with the use of technology and biology and and alien physiology and stuff. And it was, I I thought that was a lot of fun. I don't know if, I don't know if you did Marissa, but (laughs) that was, that that was one of the highlights for me.
0: (laughs) Now, did she co-write the uh, short story that uh, got so much acclaim in the anthology or was that already existing when Marissa came in?
2: So, uh, so there's actually three short stories in uh, that deal with this race. Um, the first one was Gilda Cage in the first Four Horsemen anthology called A Fistful of Credits. That one was mine. That's the one I've read. Yes, that one was mine, and thank you for your kind words about it. Um, and then shortly after that, that's when Chris Kennedy um, approached me about writing expanding the whole thing out to um to write a novel a full-length novel and so I said yes and then I called Marisa and said hey help please help (laughs) and and so so in the she also she used
3: she used Gilded Cage as the pitch she sent it to me and she's like oh hey I wrote this story just tell me what you think all casual because that's how Casey gets you (laughs) (laughs) um you absolutely did. And then I, I read it and I was like, oh, my gosh, Casey, this is so good. And she's like, oh, yeah, right? I Thanks. I really like it. So, uh, yeah, you want to write a novel in this world? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh,
0: yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. I, yep. I remember reading that story, too. And I remember thinking when she got to the collaring scene and I was like, oh, no, she didn't. And then I kept reading because I thought for <laughs> sure she was going to like go somewhere totally different. And that's all I kept thinking it was, oh, no, she didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, she didn't. and then i had to check because you know i I don't know if you guys are familiar with terry mixon he's one of the co-hosts at the dead robot society but he him and uh paulie cooley the host have like this weird obsession with cats so i was like i had to check and make sure he didn't write that (laughs) he did write a story in the first anthology i think um i don't remember he did but he didn't write about the cats i just had to go back and check i was like wait a minute no so (laughs) All right, so uh, so transitioning. So, what um, what made you decide to go from you know just Uber fan, where I think all of us started, to I'm going to actually tell my own stories and write my own stuff in the science fiction world? And Marissa, you could go first since Casey just got done talking.
3: Oh, (laughs) sure. Um, So shockingly, uh, we haven't heard about this yet. Fan fiction. Um, So for me, it was reading the the porn books and. The internet was this this new, shiny, developing thing. And I went on to AOL message boards. Yes, and I, found I remember that there those. People, You've got mail. Right. Oh, my God. Amazing. Um, that, that modem noise will haunt me until the day I die. So um, we, I went there and found all of these other people obsessed with Anne McCaffrey um, and Pern. And then it was one of those like, oh, wait, we don't have to wait for more books. We can write our own stories. Yes, let's do that. Um Previously, I had written stories about random things like potatoes um and dogs. I don't know the dogs make sense, potatoes less so, but it was uh, so it was fan fiction and being able to really develop characters and and my writing style over a lot of years of writing per fan fiction
1: wow when did you first get started writing uh so I mean,
3: I wrote a story about Idaho potatoes when I was about six um Again, not sure why. Who knows how six year olds think. Um, the my first fan fiction started probably when I was thirteen or fourteen, so a long time now.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's early.
3: I mean it wasn't good. Now if we're asking like when I started to get like slightly better, that was probably a lot more recently, but yeah.
2: Pern fanfiction, particularly on AOL, because yes, I too, that's actually where Marisa and I met. I was trying to be discreet about it. Um, But (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Pern fanfiction back in the day, particularly on the AOL Pern boards, was uh, it skewed really young. Like a lot of, you had a lot of young 12, 13, 14 year olds, mostly girls, but there were some boys in there too, um, who were living out the dream of, of, you know, being their own dragon rider by essentially writing a character that was themselves, you know, and, um, doing a self insert and putting themselves on the back of dragons and writing stories about it. So.
0: That's actually, um, my first, uh, novel that I actually wrote. So I, I was always a little bit of a rebel and, and my dad was in the Navy. So he was always out to sea. So I was like trying to get attention any way you can at like eight and nine so i was reading stephen king not because i necessarily liked them but just because it shocked everybody like what is this kid doing reading stephen <laughs> king that's not age appropriate so i remember my mom taking taking the stephen king book for me i think it was even it it was the book but uh, i remember my mom taking it and handing me uh orson scott cards the homecoming saga and uh the dragon Riders of pern books and she said you'll like these better <laughs> and then it was off to the races yes. from there thanks mom if you're listening yeah I read, yes, I read Hardy Boys. I read yeah. Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. I read those too, yeah. It's
2: I as love those. as the box yeah. kids. Yes. I mean, let's be clear. I read everything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had to move from the little library near our house to the bigger, uh, more central library for the city because I had read everything there was. And this is before the local library had the uh inner library system where they would transfer books mm-hmm. if you asked. <laughs> nerd, I know. Nerd. so so let's move on now that we've talked about our love of the genre um to the specific um cat assassin book so um we'll start with casey because you sort of started this ball and then you just sort of drug melissa along or marissa excuse me along with you so where did the idea that became the cat assassins as you see them now sort of uh, germinate
1: for you.
2: So when, um, when I got involved with the four horsemen universe, um, it was, um, because Chris Kennedy sent me an invitation to participate in actually the second anthology was the one I was originally invited to participate in. And, um, I got this, this email and I knew Chris, like we were vaguely Facebook friends. Um, he had, I knew he had red shirted me in, in one of his books because he needed a a helicopter pilot and, and I was like, hey, I'm one. You can use my name. Um, and uh, so, uh, but I didn't know him very well. So I got this email saying, hey, we're, we're putting together this anthology <clears throat> set in this universe. And the uh, the invitation included a universe Bible that was actually really comprehensive. And I was kind of impressed by that. And so, but I didn't really know Chris very well. And I, and I was only... Very peripherally, you know, aware of what the Four Horsemen universe was, and so I went to a couple of my friends, notably um, Dr. Rob Hampson, um, also known as Speaker to Lab Animals. Who he's one of those people like Jr. that knows everybody. So I was like, "Hey, Speaker, do you know this guy? Like, what is this? Is this legit?" And he said, "Yes, absolutely. I got invited too. You should definitely do it. They're going to blow up. They're going to be big. You, you know, you need to participate in this." I was like. Okay, sure. So I read through the Bible again this time with a little more intent, and um, one of the things that that was so attractive to me was in the invitation they said, "Look, you you know, our story is mostly about mercenary races. We have there's enough room for pretty much everyone to come up with one mercenary race of their own if they're interested, but no more than that." And I loved the idea of creating a new alien race, but my mind kept kind of going away from mercenary and more towards like the covert side of things. And so I, I sent Chris an email, Chris Kennedy, an email and said, you know, Hey, just out of curiosity, how would say like assassins work in this universe? Do they exist? Is that something that you guys even want to go there? You know? And he wrote back and he said, yes, in fact, I have this scene here that I'm, you know, from my current work in progress, because this was before uh, golden Horde was released. And he sent me the, the initial scene that featured, the Depic assassin. And I had in the back see, I have two cats and I love them. And one of the things that I love about them is the juxtaposition of the basically world's perfect hunter and, you know, super cuddly super cuddly, fuzzy monster. You know what I mean? That like just purrs and loves on you. Right. <laughs> so, I yep. um, so I had in the back of my head been thinking about like, mm. well, they have a dogish race. They have, you know, slugs and snails and insects and everything, but I don't see anything feline oriented. Wonder if they'd let me do a race of cats. And sure enough, that's what this assassin that Chris had already written w- was, was about. And I was like, okay, I want them. I want to write about them in my story. It was like, "Cool," um, and so, so that's what that's kind of where that came from, um, and and what hooked me into into writing the story and and creating the universe, or not creating the universe, but playing in the universe.
0: And what about you, Marissa? So we know how the sort of cat assassins germinated um, with with Chris Kennedy and, and um, Casey. But what was your first take on that when she sent you? The universe bible and, and the short story and said you're gonna play in the sandbox
3: oh man um my first take was heck yes because i never get bored of saying cat assassins like i i say it a lot um, It really <laughs> makes me happy and then the universe itself was so cool um so I was really excited to play in it, and Casey, you know as as she does laid out a very clear path for me so step one, write your own short story so you get like in it um step two let's start figuring out what we're gonna do in our our big cat assassin uh, extravaganza um so I got to write uh so Casey was saying before that we have there are three short stories that sort of lead up to the novel um. So two of them are in uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Merc, the third anthology of uh, short stories from The Four Horsemen. And so I, I got to do that. And I got to really play with the idea that um, cats like to, to play with their prey. So that was really fun. And then I'm hooked, right? Like anytime you get write about somebody like really playing with something they're about to murder, it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right Yes. <laughs> so you uh, can't do that by default true
0: now uh, this is a little off topic but I just want to know does does your therapist know what you're saying just, just
3: I think this is a very healthy That's, way a
0: very all... healthy way to express you know
3: these, these, these interests
0: <laughs> when she said when she said that everyone my mental image was that scene where that eh, 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 and the guy's got the crazy face and that butcher knife <laughs> Yeah. oh man well, you, like,
3: you like Stephen King. It's a little but bit anyway, of name. Just, you know, I'll, I'll work and no play.
1: Fine.
0: I actually don't. I don't like Stephen right. King. I only read it just to, to, it to get off. a reaction. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> right. Um, as a kid, it was. I was always more into the fantasy. I, I got into the uh, science fiction as I got more mature. Um, not to say that fantasy is immature, so I don't want any hate mail, please. But uh, we'll, we'll take this uh, natural break in the conversation for a word from our sponsor.
2: Nearly a century ago, humanity was contacted by intelligent alien life. It didn't go as we expected. Our primitive technology, minimal resources, and unsophisticated society was laughably commonplace on the galactic scale. They didn't need us. At least, not until they saw us fight. In the midst of talks, terrorists killed the alien ambassador. The ambassador's mercenary forces attacked in retribution and millions died. Humanity fought back. We learned that of the thousands of races in the galaxy, only 36 had the will and temperament to make war for money. We were the 37. Soon our mercenary companies took up the battle cry, kill aliens, get paid, and get paid we did. It's now 100 years later and not everyone is happy with our success as a mercenary race. In fact, some want us dead. This is the Four Horsemen universe. Where a personal battle mech suit and a magnetic accelerator cannon may mean the difference between living in riches and dying on some alien shore. Think you have what it takes? Find out at chriskennedypublishing.com.
1: Okay, welcome back. So I'm curious, I guess we'll start with Casey. What would you say, which author, movie, or series would you say most influences your writing?
2: Well, I probably have... um, I have a lot of answers depending on what specifically I'm taught, what specifically I'm working on. Um, so um, obviously I've mentioned this multiple times before, but obviously Anne Caffrey was a huge influence on my life as a whole, but also on my style as a writer um, because the, she had such a marvelous way of bringing her characters to life and making them real people. And that's something that I definitely aspire to. Um, but to give kind of a more specific example, um, I love, I, I've alluded to this before, but I love the the noir genre, you know, with the, the greedy detectives and, and yada, yada, all those things. Um, so whenever I'm working on a, on a noir story, one of the things that I'll do is I'll go back and I'll reread Raymond Chandler's, um, usually Farewell, My Lovely, um, because Chandler in particular has such a gorgeous turn of phrase that really lended itself to that mood of you know, the, the sort of seamy underside of the city and humanity and, you know, all this, all this sort of gritty darkness. And yet there's still that thread of hope or beauty or whatever, you know, whatever sort of positive attribute you want to, you want to, um, focus on, um, that's still there and it's just sort of shining in, in the muck of everything else, um, that got really convoluted. I apologize for that. But, but so that's, so, you know, that, that's an example, um, well, that works. right now. Um, so my, my solo novel is called Minds of Men. Um, and that's out with Chris Kennedy publishing, um, when it, it's set in uh, 1943, um, in the, basically in the air war over occupied Europe. And when I was, um, when I was writing that, um, I was, you can ask Marisa cause I was talking to her about it. Like I would um, read things, you know, read um, stories set in that time and listen to music from that time and things of that time, just if nothing else, just to help me build the mood so that I could get my head kind of the way that, you know, thinking the way as close to the way as, as my characters would think as possible, if that makes sense.
1: Sure, she so could yeah, As much
2: as I could, so the sequel to *Minds of Men* um, is it's uh, tentatively titled *The World Asunder*, and it's essentially a Cold War spy thriller. So I've been reading a lot of John Le Carre <laughs> lately um, <laughs> to try and to try and sort of you know wrap my mind around um, ar- around that aesthetic um, in order to infuse it in into um, into the world asunder.
0: So
1: it makes sense to me. Uh, yeah.
0: All right. So. Uh, I was going to say, Marissa, what about uh, what about you? What do you think is your biggest uh, influence on your yeah,
3: writing? Yeah, I was trying to think while Casey was answering, but then I got distracted listening to her answer. So, um, no, it's not definitely not, See, it's not just me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I will say for sure, Anne McCaffrey. I just I love that her her characters. The world was so interesting. The characters are not just like I am a perfect snowflake and I'm going to do these things. Like they they had conflict and they were they were complicated. Um, and I, I think you can go back and forth all day of if the novels are science fiction or fantasy, but I liked the blending of them to your the point. Um, and then I love, I don't, I'm still a baby author, so I'm still developing in in my voice. So I can't say that uh Terry Pratchett has deeply influenced my writing, but I would love for his writing to deeply influence mine. Um, just the ability to like slip in. Some humor in in a situation that is like perfectly appropriate and also like makes you pause in your reading so you can like belly laugh for five minutes and then get back to it um, and I loved how he could I love how he can work that into to dramatic situations to like let's learn about death like he's man so I'm gonna name those two for now.
0: So um, we always put in the show notes what we've talked about the author links, etc and so um, since we've um, and McCaffrey and Terry Pratchett today. Just so in case you want to check it out yourself, we will uh, throw that in the show notes—a link to their to their books on the Zon. Um So that way, if if you're curious, you can you can see what all the fuss is about. But really, if you haven't Agreed. read, what's wrong with you?
2: Yeah, you should totally go check them out. And you're and yep. you're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, when they read all through the night and they it's the bus and then they're late to work and their boss fires them. I'm just saying yeah. sometimes, you know, stuff sometimes
2: it's worth it. Well, but it's sometimes yeah. it's <laughs> greater good. Um, can I, can I add one more, uh, real quick while, I, sure. while I'm thinking about it? Um, so very recently I read a book and then lost my mind over how good it was. Um, particularly with regard to the world building and the book is called witchy eye by DJ Butler. It's out from Bain right now. Um, in fact, I think the paperback, the mass market paperback, I think re- released yesterday. Um, but oh my gosh, it's so good. The world building in it blew me away. Um, And, uh, and yes, so it's a, it's, it's an epic flintlock fantasy set in North America in the 1700s, but it's a very different North America than what we know from our own history. So super, super cool. Definitely go check that out. And bonus, the e-arc of the sequel, Witchy Winter, is available on Bane's website right now. Um, And that one comes out, I think, in April. So, Yes. That's that I would definitely just like Marisa said about Terry Pratchett. I would definitely like um, DJ Butler's world building to influence mine. Yes, please. And thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's going on the list. All right. That's also Sorry about that. I accidentally hit the mute button. Um, So that'll go on the list at the bottom of the show notes. If you want to check that out, Uh, DJ Butler's the witchy eye series, book one, the witchy eye. So, It's always, uh, always interesting. And I'm sure since it's, uh, it's, you said it was Bane books. Mm Yeah. So I'm sure if audio books are more your thing, they'll probably have one coming out soon because they generally pair those together. So your series, I'm curious because obviously nobody's read it since it's, it's just coming out. Um, But is it following the same character from the Gilded Cage or is it just the same species? (laughs)
3: you <laughs> Yes. But make sure I don't spoil anything. Like just hard interrupt me. Um, yes. Question mark. So, um, gilded cage and then under the skin from the good, the bad and mark, um, are, there are, it helps set up some of the interactions in the novel. Um, so same species, you'll see some familiar names, um, reading the short stories is not required to enjoy assassin um, but may add some ho moments
0: um, that's the hope outstanding so did you bring the um, the drug addict along
2: yes yes um, so the so the main characters in assassin are the four it, um, the main character in Gilded cage is a human drug addict who um, interacts with one of these cat assassins um, and that that individual cat assassin, her name is Rio. Um, The four, the main characters of assassin are Rio's four children. And um, the human drug addict who um, became Rio's pet in the first story, Gilded Cage, spoiler alert, (laughs) um, was, uh, she, she's essentially like, she's, she's lived with these, these, you know, these assassins since they were kit- kittens and um, essentially raised them like a kind of like a nanny sort of so yeah so she's a she's a, a major player in the story as well um, and there's a few other um, human interactions that occur but uh, but one of the things that was fun about it honestly for me was was writing a story and trying to or writing a book and trying to make sure that I was thinking about things the way I imagine a cat would, not the way a human would because all of the points of view, characters are all um they're all cat assassins you know
0: so
1: <laughs> that's all cats think about all day is and, food murder.
0: and sometimes sleep this is, why you, this is why you should get a dog oh yeah that too.
1: <laughs> i
3: mean i have i have dogs i'm a little bit betraying my my novel here but i have dogs and they they snuggle and, and murder less but drool a lot more so <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so um this is sort of a surprise question. I didn't give you in the in the prepared notes, but so Marissa, what uh, what do you feel you've added? Because I've read the Gilded Cage. That's all I've read so far. I haven't had a chance to read the the follow on short stories, although they're certainly on my my ever growing TBR list. But what do you feel like you've added to the to the universe or to the to this story from from the base that started with Gilded Cage?
3: Oh man! Um, well, I added at least one explosion, so. There's that. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I I don't know. I, the the amazing thing about co-writing a novel um, is I am not entirely sure what I added versus what Casey did because we did a lot of like video chats and brainstorming and like half the ideas I had I would not have had if I hadn't been bouncing ideas off of her. Um, so I'm gonna go with I added an explosion. Maybe a little bit of humor, um, and one of my favorite fight scenes that I've ever written.
0: Outstanding. So, can I chime in on that? Absolutely, because
2: I know exactly—I know exactly what Marisa added. Marisa added the main background. Mm. She added. yeah, she added the uh, the. Antagonist was all hers. Um a lot of the major conflict was all hers. I had sort of like this vague idea of, okay, there's gotta be some conflict between these, you know, this group of characters and this group of characters. And uh and she was like, Okay, so let me drill down and how about we do this, 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 and this? And I, you know, about fell out of my chair because I loved it so much. So
1: yeah. I think that's a cool thing about co writing about brainstorming together, because JR and I are doing that. And ideas yeah. just just build they, they off abso- each other.
2: Uh, they absolutely can, and it was a funny too synergy. because um, one of the things that that made I think this so successful is Marisa and I had written together a lot, like a lot, a lot in the in the per- <laughs> fan fiction world, and um, so it was. You know, there were times when there were certain scenes that you know we would have to tackle, and we'd say, "Hey, we need to. Can we write this together? Like we, you know, like old school fan fiction style, where you're hopping POV." you know, sentence by sentence because each character is experiencing the scene, you know, through their, (laughs) which is not something that you would want, you know, in a finished product. So we would go back afterwards and rewrite the scene through a single point of view. Um, But it really helped to be able to kind of get everything flowing and uh, and structure the scene and, and sort of figure out what everyone was doing, you know, when there's all these other um, events going on in the background. And, and that was not something that I'd done in a, with a co-writer before. And I'm not sure I could do it honestly with someone other than Marisa <laughs> or someone who, who I hadn't had that, that fan fiction experience with before. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So this is um, so sure. far, there are three short stories out in this uh, cat assassin um. And there is this novel, which is uh, releasing any second now. So so where do you see the series overall? Like, do you have a, a grand sort of plan for it? Or are you just sort of winging it and seeing where each, uh, each book takes you?
2: Um, yes, there is a plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is this where we insert the Jeopardy music? Or like
3: <laughs> something is around the corner, <laughs> I think.
0: Yes, oh, yes. yes. I like that. Okay. So so in order to answer that question, you'd have to be giving spoilers. So <laughs> we will move on, I guess. I, I tried, people. I tried to get the answers for you. <laughs> I know. I feel like a horrible investigator. Like oh, we're we're, we're practicing down.
3: to be the uh, <laughs> Robert Jordan of, of military science fiction. <laughs> Read sign <inside> out. <laughs>
0: So, so before we move on to the um, to the other part of the interview that we always do, I have to ask, these uh, Dragon Riders of Pern fan fiction, oh my God. any way we get to read those?
3: No. Uh, yeah, you know what you can do, though? You can ask Todd McCaffrey if he wants to do a uh, a Pern anthology, and then, heck yes, you can read our fan fiction.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, I, that's I'm not afraid that's of being I told I, no. I'm I think calling. you did. it. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> all right people this is it has, I'm gonna track this guy down so <laughs> if you see me on the evening news local author arrested you i, in I all don't know movie. how i ended up in his bedroom <laughs> officer oh,
2: in all seriousness todd mccaffrey is one of the most genuinely kind individuals i've ever met so um uh, so please or don't do stop him
0: <laughs> he's awesome it'll be fine <laughs> some people call it stalking i just call it persistence oh geez <laughs> okay all jokes aside i am not endorsing or uh, encouraging anyone yeah, to stalk anyone please disclaimer <laughs> all right <so. laughs> i can edit that part out <laughs> so much for all those boxes of crowns i was going to send you to eat all right um so uh, once we get done talking about um the books you know, we generally like to ask since it's science fiction authors, and there's that word "science" ish in there, and then we also like to talk about what they're reading. So that's where we're going to jump at, off to now. So we'll start with um, what science fiction books are you reading uh, in the genre? To um, for your breaks, I in
3: just finished uh, Wool by Hugh Howey. Apparently, it was a it was a whole. I'm super late to the game. It was like this this huge thing in like 2012 or 2014. Um, but it's, I've been super into, uh, post-apocalyptic stuff lately. Um, and this is people living in a silo underground and the world is poison and he pulls the rug under you like three chapters in a row. You're like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Oh, no. Okay. This is what's going to happen. Oh, no. (laughs) So, uh, but it was really, really enjoyable. So I've got the, the sequel, which is a prequel teed up and alpha contracts, which is, the, the origin of the Four Horsemen uh, universe also teed up and ready to go. So a break and research. <laughs>
2: um, let's see. So I've been um, on again, off again, sort of going through um, Chuck Gannon's Terran Republic series with his Kane Reardon character, um, which if you're into some hard sci-fi, that is top of the line stuff right there. Um and, uh, Kane Reardon is, he's like, uh, it's kind of like double Oh seven meets, um, hard science fiction, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe, but it's really, really good stuff. Um, so I've been reading that, um, I too have alpha contracts teed up and, uh, and ready to go. Um, because I've, uh, I mean, obviously I'm writing in the four horsemen universe, so I'm, I'm really invested in it. It seems really cool. And then, um, Other than that, uh, I'm midway through witchy winter, which is not science fiction. It's fantasy, but it's amazing. And I'm sort of drowning in joy reading it. So, um, so once that's done, I'll, I'll go back to the sci-fi stuff.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, are you planning on Marissa, the wool book? I I think there's a sequel to that, isn't there? Are you, are you planning on reading that one?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, dust, I think, um, or it's another one-word thing, and yes, it is on my Kindle. And you know, once I get caught up on my uh, writing <clears throat> goals that I'm a little behind on, then yes, I get to reward myself with that.
0: Okay, so I just googled it, so we're we're not you know making stuff up. It's uh, mm-hmm. book two is Shift, and book three is <laughs> Dust. So Sweet. for the for the trilogy. So anyway, yeah. don't want to steer anybody wrong, nice. so we try to correct ourselves. I but uh, so you're planning on reading that. them? You're, you're hooked enough? You're going to keep going?
3: I am, yeah. I want to know. You bury people in silos. I want to know what happens.
0: I'm I mean, I wouldn't mind my own bunker just in case. Just saying.
2: I think Seriously, you can buy them feel- in like North Dakota or South. Actually, I think in South Dakota there's like old school um, missile launch facilities that they'll sell you, and you can rehab them as a as a house.
0: You think I could sell my wife on that? Right. right? I mean. Uh, do you know that uh, I'm, or I'm or? just thinking of all the possibilities. I mean
2: – They are big enough. I know that they are big enough that you can have an indoor underground swimming pool facility.
0: Obviously. I mean, how else are you going to survive the zombie apocalypse? Right? I mean, obviously, you need uh, that. Gosh, yeah, absolutely. I've got I've to get on this, man. Absolutely. Oof. All right, people. Coming to you from a bunker in South Dakota, you <laughs> say? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All right. So, yeah. And uh what about what about UKC this Terran uh Republic? So um is that one that you're hooked on enough that you're going to keep reading? The the universe?
2: Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, um, Chuck Gannon's another friend of mine and he, he gave me, he gave me the second book and I was like, Oh, that's very clever of you to give me the second book in the series. And he said, Oh, but the first one's free on, uh, online. So I, uh, so I read the first two and, um, and yeah, they're, they're really, really good. Um, It's again, he's got some such comprehensive world building, really complex and interesting characters that like to the point where sometimes they do things and I get angry at them, you know, like angry at characters.
0: And uh, what's uh, just because it sounds interesting. I want to look it up. He said, what was the name of the first book?
2: The first book is fire with fire by Charles Gannon. And um, all of them are available from Bane. And the first one is fire with fire is available uh, on Bane.com as part of their
0: uh, Bane free library. So, so um, that's listed as the just for for people looking it up. It's the Kane Reardon uh, series is the name of of that series. I
2: think it's actually
0: I think the name of the series is actually the Terran Republic. According to Amazon, I mean that doesn't mean they're right. It's Amazon. Uh, okay, <laughs> it could it could <laughs> oh, go either whatever. way. Sure. But um, but I, I only know that because I, I pulled it up because I was curious. Um, the covers are pretty sweet though, man. Right. That's sexy. Yeah, mm. some
2: really cool art. Uh, Bob Eggleston, I think, is the artist who does who does Chuck's covers, and he's his work is amazing.
0: Bob, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> just saying. All right, all right. So, um, all right. Well, then the. Um, the other stuff we like to talk about besides the books is obviously the science that I alluded to in my horrible, horrible transition. Um, I, I'm working on it, people. So uh, what uh, scientific breakthroughs are you guys following? We'll start with uh, Marissa this time. Is there any, anything yeah. in the science community that's just got you super excited?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yes, so many things. Um, one, I have read every article I can find about this, um, just to try to understand it. They can now make particles with negative mass. Um, and while they were quick to tell us, to say in every article, like, this doesn't mean that faster than light engines are going to immediately make wormholes. We don't have it. it that's not what's going to do. It's going to make lasers better. Um, but it's still so cool because even two years ago, we thought that was impossible. And so anytime we have some kind of breakthrough, we're like, hey, JK, that's not at all impossible. We're doing it right now in, like, Sweden. That's freaking awesome. Um, I said freaking, <laughs> guys. I heard. See. I heard. Uh, I was thinking. Okay, cool. Negative
1: um, mass. Effort. That's a requirement for faster than light travel. Step one is done.
3: I know that. I think that's, seriously every article, like the second paragraph, they're like, "We don't know how to use this yet for faster than light but travel." Step Do one not is go done. There.
1: That's fantastic.
3: Um, I mean, right? That and then step three is profit. Mm-hmm. So we got this. Um, so that is really exciting. I also got to go to a, a talk uh, from some folks from the Smithsonian earlier this week, and so got to see the uh, Mars Rover 2020 and how it's shaping up. And it's, it's whole focus is to like dig specifically for biological matter and, and test for that, which is really, really cool. Um, and then on earth they found like gold bugs. I mean, like there's all these new species coming up all the time and I just, I don't know. It gets
0: me really Hmm. excited. I get, I get all excited too. So what, uh, what are you following this time, Chris, and then we'll go to oh, Katie. I'm so
1: giggling maniacally over the failure of self-driving cars. Uh, I am so glad that these things are failing. I hope they put it off for another fifty years because just the, the idea of a of a two to ten ton semi truck driving down the road making its own decisions as to who dies if there's a wreck uh, that frightens me. So I'm glad they're they're still experiencing failure. I think they need a lot more failure before I'm going to be be comfortable that they've got it right.
0: Okay. So, what about you, Casey? what uh, What sciences are your uh, breakthroughs? Are you following?
2: So, I mentioned my friend uh, Dr. Hampson earlier. He and his team have been working for a number of years on. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's essentially a memory prosthetic, um, and that is something that really sort of fires my imagination, um, because I, uh, um, I've had people have a, in, in my family have Alzheimer's and, um, um, you know, dementia and, and things of that nature. And those sorts of like neurological degenerative diseases are just, you know, the effects of them are so heartrending um, on families and stuff. And so to be able to, you know, affect, Some kind of cure for those sorts of things. Now, Dr. Hampson will be the first to tell you that's not what they're at. That's not the the point where they're at. It's kind of like, you know, with Maurice's negative mass particles, this is not faster than light travel. Well, this is not an (laughs) Alzheimer's cure, but it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. And that just makes me giddy. Um, you know, it's, uh, so the advances in in sort of – and also, too, i, I, I got to be honest with you. I've always been really fascinated on the science fiction side of things with the intersection between technology and biology and the idea of cybernetics and, you know, um, genetic engineering, all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, we, we have so much – so much of our science is turned outward, but I, I dig the stuff that's kind of turned inward, too. Um,
1: so, yeah. So, so this sounds a little bit like science is caught up with Johnny Mnemonic.
2: I mean, I, you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to talk to the speaker about it, you know, more specific to get more specific, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool stuff and they've, they've had really great success with their trials and, you know, and it's great for me because like I said, you know, Dr. Hampson is a, is a personal friend. So like, I kind of get the inside scoop on, you know, how things are going and, and, you know, what they're hoping for and stuff like
1: that. That's awesome. Hmm. What what about Okay. But you JR.
0: So I uh been I, I follow all the the latest uh publishings just cuz you know obviously the same reason you all do and they have an article on the um LifeScience.com, science.com which is a pretty neat website if you, if you don't follow it but they have an article about now they're they're suspecting that oxygen isn't the only possible signature they look for for signs of life. Uh, we've mentioned oh. in last week's episode that uh, they found micro microorganisms in the sulfur flats that were sulfur based. So now we're reevaluating what we think it takes to have life and so that changes entirely cuz right now when we hunt the stars for Um, for planets that are suitable for life, we're always looking for basically mirror earth. Now, part of that is because obviously if we're going to colonize it, we have to be able to live there, but now we're, we're suspecting that maybe life can live on planets that we couldn't. So that's going to be interesting to see where that develops. Mm. It's
2: another example of science catching up with
0: science fiction, you know? Yeah, I think, I Mm. think definitely. So, that that's uh that's the one I'm following. So it it's definitely it definitely uh gives you ideas for um for stories.
1: Mm-hmm. It sure does. Absolutely. That's why we all got quiet. Absolutely. We're all going, hmm. How could I use this? I
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and what did you say step three was Risa? Profit. That's right. <laughs> Profit. Now <laughs> we're gonna do it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I I do wonder if we're going to colonize the stars much the way Australia was colonized and started as a penal colony.
2: (laughs) Well, that was, that was sort of the premise behind um, Tom Crapman's uh, Terra Nova, right? And in his, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of his, um, uh, a desert called Peace, which is a, It's a phenomenal book. It's very dark, very dark. Um, But, you know, it's essentially they find a twin earth and the world government takes all of its, quote unquote, undesirables and throws them there. Well, lo and behold, when you get all the undesirables together, there's a revolution, you know? Mm. (laughs) Mm
0: yeah, I could see that. Wasn't that a little bit like...
3: With the expanse, the the people who went out to the belt were like the. I don't think they were criminals, but they were like the desperate and the poor, yeah. um, because it was so unsafe. And then that how that continued to affect society like hundreds of years later. I mean,
0: that that's, that's true uh, of America um, too. I mean, look at who yeah, originally yeah, colonized. Absolutely. So
3: Louisiana, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, and it's uh, it's called the name of the book is what a desert called peace,
2: a desert called peace, um, by Tom Crapman. It's uh, yeah. Very military oriented, very, very heavy, heavily military um, influence storyline. Uh, very dark, but very good.
0: <laughs> All right. So that'll be in the show notes as well, people. Um, so that way you can check it out yourself.
1: And whew,
0: anything else? No, Chris? I
1: think we're good.
0: So why don't you tell people how they um, well, actually, that would be rude. The ladies first. So ladies, how can the listeners find you?
2: So um, you can find me at www.kcezel.net. Um That's my website. And if you go there and sign up for my mailing list, um, if you do so right now, you will get, well, actually, by the time this comes out, um, you won't get a, the first chapter of Assassin anymore. What you will get is a free short story set in my, Psyche of War series, which is the the one that I mentioned with the the World War II story. Um, So, yeah, you can, and I'm also on Facebook um, as uh, Casey Ezel is my author page.
0: All right. And what about you, Marissa?
3: Nice. Facebook, uh, Marissa Wolf, author. That's where I am. So official. Um, And also, if you enjoy pictures of dogs as well as books, uh, you can get me on Instagram. It's uh, bookdogs.
0: Outstanding. And what about us, Chris? Where can they find us?
1: Okay. Our website is www.sfshenanigans.com. Twitter at SFS. That's Sierra, Foxtrot Sierra, underscore show. And our email is podcast at sfshenanigans.com outstanding
0: so go check us out people all that information will be in the show notes
3: shenanigans
0: (laughs) thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for chris winder i'm jr hanley and this was the sci-fi shenanigans podcast we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of space and all things that go boom All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that uh, archived episode that was in the the digital memory hole that we found. We thought you'd enjoy it. So thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the archive for the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back at our regular scheduled time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go BOOM!